Did you know that Radio Vermont Group Digital Services can create videos including drone footage? We've even won awards for our videos. If you'd like to learn more and see examples of our work, go to rvgdigital.com. Radio Vermont Group, we're more than just radio. WDEV in Waterbury, welcome to Vermont Viewpoint. I'm Kevin Ellis. Thanks for joining us. It's Wednesday, January 17th, and we are glad to have you along today. More snow and cold. The legislature is in week three. And today we're discussing everything from the economy, Vermont and the United States, to a new memoir type book by a local author and friend of mine. And of course, Donald Trump, his win in Iowa and what could be a win in New Hampshire and a uh, consolidation of his power over the entire Republican Party that is happening Uh, Bill Belichick is still not the coach of the New England Patriots. Gerard Mayo is the new coach of the uh, New England Patriots. A major proxy war is going on now in the Middle East, and a major housing bill is beginning its journey through the legislature. And scientists tell us that 2023 was the hottest year on record. Amid all that, how is Vermont's economy faring right now? We talk first to Betsy Bishop, the president of the Vermont Chamber of Commerce, which is hosting its annual Vermont Economic Conference on January 30th at the UVM Davis Center in Burlington. She will be here to discuss Vermont's economy, the chamber's agenda, and what to expect at the economic conference. And right after Betsy, we'll hear from Leslie Preston, a keynote speaker at that conference. Preston is the managing director and senior economist at TD Bank. And as I said, uh, she's one of the excuse me <coughs> keynote speakers at the Chamber's Economic Conference, and uh, so all that and more on VT Viewpoint. As always, we take your calls. Uh, not a lot of places where you can get these kinds of high-level guests and have a chance to call them on the phone and ask a question. So please feel free. The number to call is two four four one seven seven seven. Send me your emails at vtviewpoint at radiovermont.com. So this could take a while to introduce our next guest. For the last 15 years, she has been president of the Vermont Chamber of Commerce. Prior to that, she was the deputy chief of staff and economic development commissioner under former Governor Jim Douglas. Prior to that, she founded and led an influential public policy lobbying firm called Capital Strategies. She's been involved and at the center of virtually every economic development story that's happened in this state for more than 20 years. I've known her for all that time and welcome her to the show now. President Bishop, welcome. Thank you, Kevin. It's good to be here. (laughs) Uh, So let's jump right in. Tell us about the Vermont Economic Conference. Sure. Uh, That's coming up on January 30th. Uh, It's an all-day event uh, that gets, we really bill it as getting people started for the year with all of sort of a conclusion, a summary of what happened last year, and a little bit of forecasting, a little bit of crystal ball for what will be coming up, uh, what we can expect this year. You know, this is, I call this sort of our nerd fest. It is, if you like charts and graphs and numbers, if you're listening to what Jay Powell is saying, uh, you know, if you're interested in GDP and other economic indicators, this is the conference for you. 
Wow, right up my alley, Betsy. Uh, charts <laughs> well, and maybe, graphs maybe and, not. and Jerome Powell. <laughs> <laughs> well, some so, of us economic nerds find this interesting. You know, there's a there's an interesting story here, Kevin, is this conference was put on by Art Wolf and Dick Heaps out of UVM for twenty five years. Um right. and pardon? Yeah, right. I remember. Yeah, and so um when they were uh, getting toward the end of their careers, they were closing down the conference. And a couple of the sponsors of the event really loved it so much that they came to me and said, you know, you really should do this, continue this. And I said, okay, well, and so we talked to Art and Dick and we did that. And when I brought it back to my team, my events team at the time, you know, that most events planners are into, you know, what color balloons, what kind of food should we have? Should we have bacon wrapped scallops? What kind of swag will we be? When I explained the concerts, they were like, who, who would go to that? <laughs> But it's been a really successful conference. We usually get around 250 people there every year, and uh, it's it's a good time. Well, you're beating me to the punch because I have not yet had a show on the future of work, which uh, I've really wanted to do. You're going to talk about one of the sessions is the future of work, how immigration shapes Vermont's talent landscape. Uh, that's a biggie. Yeah, I think it is. And it's, you know, when we look at, um, you know, our population growth or lack thereof, um, we've tried over the last number of years to encourage people to move and live and work in Vermont. And we've seen some, you know, a myriad of successes there. But, you know, we highlight every every family that moves in, but we, we, we never cover the people who are moving out. So when you look at the net migration, um, it to the state, it, it doesn't really boost our uh, demographics. And so when we look at, like, what will the future of work be? How, with a declining population and an aging population, um, how will people be able to be served in a variety of ways? I think about every headline I, I read, every every business I talk to is starving for more workers, and they can't find them. Um, so, you know, immigration is certainly the only only answer that we have, and most of that needs to be um, handled at the federal level, of course. Um, and I'm not sure the status of Congress right now, what, what you can actually do uh, in, in that realm. But in Vermont, there are some success stories um, that we're going to talk about and how you might be able to navigate that for your business. And there's going to be a panel discussion uh, about this, which includes Tracy Dolan of the State of Vermont Refugee Office and others. Um, I know Tracy as an amateur comedian, so uh, maybe you can get her to tell some jokes on her panel. Um, yeah, the joke, jokes and immigration together. I'm not sure how that would go, but Tracy's very yeah. good. <laughs> yeah. Um, there's also going to be uh, – a a panel on artificial intelligence. Can you talk about that a little? Yeah, you know, uh, what we've seen is a lot of education about what AI is. Don't be afraid of that. Um, a lot of discussions about, um, you know, security and, uh, you know, the safety of using it and uh, the uh, discussions around accuracy in AI. And a lot of, lot of, 
uh, teaching about like what's coming, how you can, you know, why you should embrace it. This um, sort of AI unleashed the the practical strategies is we have a professor coming in to to actually do real time um, AI work on the big screen so that people can see how your your prompts can can get better through AI. Um, and, you know, I think what people are learning is, oh, I can use ChatGPT and ask it to do X. But yeah, yes, I think society has moved to that point. But then how do you make it better? How do you give it more prompts so that it turns out the result that you want, and not just in written form. AI can do graphics and can do uh, all sorts of different things. So we've asked him to come in and do like a real-time demonstration on the screen with input from the from the businesses that are there. Uh, well, I used I used ChatGPT the other day, and it is stagger. It's shocking how fast it is, and um, it's you know it's here. We have to deal with it, and it's not going away. So, okay, uh, can anyone attend the conference, Betsy, and, and how do they register? Sure, anyone can attend the, the conference. Uh, just go to our website at btchamber.com, uh, and there is a backslash economic conference, and you can register there. Um, and it's... Um, I think registration stays open until uh, the, the next week. So plenty of time to, to do that. We already have about 200 people registered. Um, and we see people at this conference um, in, from, a, from a lot of different walks of life in the sense of a lot of, of course, business folks. That's our audience. But we see people who are who call themselves CEOs or presidents, um, higher level management uh, folks, CFO, COO type jobs. But, you know, in Vermont, we really don't have a lot of those C jobs. right? We don't have a lot of CEOs. So, so we have like business owners or managing partners. But this is also a good opportunity for you to see 200 of your peers and potentially clients in a day. And, you know, as a society that doesn't get out much anymore, that we tend to, uh, especially this group of folks who these tend to be office type workers, I don't know, we're going to have to categorize them as something else, but much of our office workers are doing hybrid working from home and not being with others as much. So this type of event allows the chamber to do what we're super at, which is to convene people around interesting topics. Betsy, uh, my wife and I just finished driving across the country. Boy, there's no better way to understand the country than doing that. And, uh, you know, when you say you're from Vermont, whether it's in Amarillo, Texas, or California, or wherever, people get that wistful look in their eye that says, <laughs> I wish I could do what you're doing. I know you're going to say the trick is turning those people into people who come here and work here and pay taxes here. Um how is the Vermont economy doing generally? Yeah, I think it's doing well. Um, you know, there's a couple of different indicators that you can look at. And, um, you know, you think about uh, where politics and business sort of are at the intersection. We think about state revenue. Uh, we look at corporate income tax. We look at sales tax. We look at rooms and meals tax. Um, 
also a little bit different, but more on the personal income tax and, and how many people are, are working. When you look at those indicators, for the most part, they've been up for a while. We're starting to get some you know, caution from the administration that that might turn. I've been hearing that caution for, for a year now. So by that particular indicator, it's good. Um, when you talk to businesses who are doing well, they feel like the, the customer piece, the order piece is is doing well. Coming out of the pandemic, there is a lot of problems with supply chain and inflation. And we're starting to see, you know, the supply chain has evened out. Inflation is uh, coming down a little bit, right? Uh, interest rates are still high. So, so that is of concern. Um, but uh, the biggest problem for uh, businesses is workers. And, you know, we've said this forever and ever and ever. We businesses cannot be good without our workers. We've got to have many of them. We've got to treat them well. We've got to pay them well. Um, and I've seen really over the last four or five, six years, especially during the pandemic, wages rising, rising, rising. And once they rise, they don't come back. But what we're learning is that, surprise, it's not just the wage. It's not just the benefit anymore. It is the environment as well in which you work. There's something changed, the, in my view, something changed humanity during the pandemic in the way we think about work. Um, and, you know, before then it was like, you know, work, do something you love, um, get paid well for it. Um, now there's a, a sort of a, a I, I don't want to work too much. Uh, I want to work enough and I want to get paid well to do that. Um, and that doesn't always fit well within what an employer's needs are. Um, and it's important to sort of think about that employer-employee balance to make sure that we do have a thriving economy. Um, and there's accommodations that we can make so that, you know, yes, we can have a flex schedule in that. But there are plenty of jobs that a flex schedule doesn't work. So you think about a restaurant, for instance, when are their busy times? Their busy times are not necessarily when you want to work. Um, but yet... Uh, that's when their busy times are and that's when they need workers. And, you know, you think about, you know, hospital workers, the nursing profession, uh, caregivers, all of that. It, it is very similar. You, you can't really have a flex, flex schedule and be a child care provider. Um, so it just depends on the type of work. You know, a manufacturing line, it, it's just not going to work well if people need to tap out to to do something personal. Uh, so that is why there's always sort of that that balance. Um, so I do think the worker, how do we find more workers? We clearly have tens of thousands of job, more jobs open uh, than people looking for work in Vermont, which is why we keep pushing that we need to add more people to Vermont. Um, and I know that that comes with other other issues. So most people talk about the two big issues being workforce and housing. And while that's true, one begets the other, right? Like we need the housing uh, also so that we can recruit the, the workers. Um, and society's changed. Why do we need so many houses if we have a declining population? It's because people live alone more, both at the younger age of the spectrum, in your 20s, your you prefer to have maybe your own place, your own apartment, or at the other end of the spectrum, as you live longer, you, you're not 
moving out of the the larger house that you're in. So that's why we need more housing for the population that's here. That's you know you raise you beat me to the punch there because my next question was on housing and workforce. How did we get here? It, it feels like these twin crises kind of snuck up on us. And I, I mean, I'm I'm fully versed in sort of that they are in fact happening. But uh, did it sneak up on us, or did we see it coming? I, I don't feel like we snuck up. It snuck up on us, especially on the workforce thing. You know, I think about. 20 years ago, going to the economic conference and hearing Art Wolf talk about the demographics, and, and you can see that trend. You can tell into the future how many people we have. In the entire state of Vermont right now, we have 5,800 first graders. The entire state. Wow. So how old are those? Those are, those are five-year-olds, okay? So advance that 13 years, and I can tell you what our workforce looks like. It's not a mystery what's going to happen. It is a fact. And, yes, some people will of those 58 kids will move in, and some, some will move out, and others will move in, and that number will modestly change, but not much. So 5,800 kids graduate from high school in Vermont in 13 years. Half will go to college. Some in Vermont, some out of Vermont. Okay, so now you're down to what, 2,900 people, and you're hoping that they're all productive members of society and go right into the workforce. That is not enough. UVM Medical Center right now has 2,000 job openings. 2,000. Oh, that is shocking. National Life has, has like hundreds of job openings. And it, and and the point is, they've been open for a while. It's not just like, oh, what happened? They have two thousand job openings. No, this is going on. And so, for the business, the employer, the nonprofit, whoever is needing those workers, you you can't just keep going like that. Gosh, I hope something changes, right? So. You know, what do you do to fill that gap? And, you know, each answer is a little different. We see um, businesses building housing themselves (laughs) where they are, you know, like, I I guess I'll become a landlord for my workers, which is not the right answer, by the way. It's fraught with all sorts of brings us back to, you know, employer housing, you know, all the issues that we tried to get away from. But they're doing it out of desperation to get and keep a worker. But now your house, your shelter is tied to your employment. You can imagine how that's going to go over time. Right. Okay, now we need to get to, before we let you go and move on to Leslie Preston uh, in the next half hour for the National Economic Outlook. Um, You are retiring. I am. This this summer, uh, there is a search that will go on or is going on. Uh, yes. We, I've got to ask you, in your career, which is long and, um, I don't know, I can't attach the right uh, adjective to it, but you've been in the middle of a lot of stuff. Give us your high. This is my wife going around our dinner table. What's your <laughs> high and what's your low for your career at the Vermont Chamber? 
Um, I think one of the, the highest point for me is really being able to get inside of many businesses and see them firsthand. It gives you a perspective that has just made me a, a strong advocate for their needs, especially in a political climate that doesn't always recognize their needs. I feel like I have, over my 30 years, really have been able to contribute to advancing the Vermont economy. That that makes me proud. Uh, sad a little bit to leave that. But as I say, I'm retiring from this job. I'm not retiring. <laughs> so um, I think that's my high. My low has been, there's there's been too many, quite frankly, but chamber operationally, I would say 2016, when we saw the legislature take away um, health care options for small businesses and saw their rates skyrocket and really never return. Taking away right. choice is never a good idea. Wait, yeah, okay, that's a fascinating. Yes, I remember. I remember watch seeing you in the state house when the legislature was doing that. Um, you, you say you're not retiring. Give us, give us the inside story. What are you going to do next? There's so many great things to do. I'm really looking forward to doing things that are not legislatively connected, not politically connected. But um, yeah. I have a whole, whole time to to think about that and create that chapter. I imagine that I will do more fun things. I'll spend more time in nature and I will be able to take on some uh, projects like fractional CEO work that uh, really engages my brain. So I'm looking forward to that. Great. Okay. Betsy Bishop, the president of the Vermont Chamber, uh, their annual uh, economic conference is coming up on January 30th. Everyone is invited. Uh, Just go to their website and you can register. Betsy, Congratulations and thank you for coming on. Thank you for having me. When we come back, uh, we're going to have Leslie Preston, who is the senior economist for uh, TD Bank. She's a major speaker at the conference coming up. And we'll come back to that right after this message. I'm Kevin Ellis, and you're listening to Vermont Viewpoint on the Friendly Pioneer WDEV. We're talking about the Vermont Chamber of Commerce's uh, economic conference coming up on January 30th at University of Vermont's Davis Center. And uh, a major talk at that uh, conference is going to be the National Economic Outlook. Uh, Leslie Preston is going to give that talk. And uh, she is the managing director and senior economist at TD Bank. And she'll be giving a talk about uh, the national outlook, economic outlook at that conference. And she joins us now. Leslie Preston, welcome. Thank you very much. Great to be here. So uh, thank you for joining us. Uh, Give us a sneak peek of your talk. How is the national economy? Well, the U.S. national economy has been doing very well. Uh, 2023 was a year that started out with a lot of forecasters calling for a recession, and the U.S. economy defied the odds and put in a pretty healthy pace of growth. Now, with the Federal Reserve having raised interest rates by quite a historic amount over the last uh, 18 months to almost two years now, we do expect growth is set to slow over 2024. 
um, as the full impact of these rate hikes really come to bear on the U.S. economy and as some of the tailwinds that the U.S. economy has enjoyed over the past year boosting growth are increasingly uh, petering out. So, uh, yeah, that's that's what you all talk about, you economists talk about when you say a soft landing. Is that right? Exactly. Uh, we are expecting that the Federal Reserve will be able to navigate eventually cutting interest rates from their interest rates right now are very high. They're at a setting that is restrictive to economic activity. And we think as the economy slows and inflation comes down further, that the Fed will be able to reduce interest rates and that we'll see a soft landing. So a period of below trend growth where we do expect the unemployment rate to rise over the next year um, to a softer, softer labor market. Um, and uh, that, this is our baseline forecast rather than a recession where, you know, the tighter monetary policy by the Fed tips the U.S. into a recession. That's always a risk. You know, we have had a historic rise in interest rates, but the U.S. economy certainly showed its its resilience to interest rate increases, and we are expecting a soft landing. So uh, th- this, th- this, uh, this boggles my mind. Uh, I mean, Everyone was so panicked for so long. Uh, inflation was out of control. Prices, ga- the price of gas, the price of food, and and it seems to um, be all sort of coming back to normal. Is it? Is that going too far to say that it's all coming back to normal? Well, it, it's actually getting there. Um, the U.S. has had a pretty impressive. Um, deceleration in, in inflation. Inflation, you know, has, has come down quite a substantial amount. It's not quite back at, at the target yet. And, you know, financial markets, we think, are getting a little ahead of themselves on how soon they're expecting the Fed to cut rates. Uh, we're more, we're in the second half of the year camp, but um, prices, price increases certainly have cooled very rapidly in the U.S. economy without a substantial slowing in the labor market. We haven't, you know, the unemployment rate is up a teeny bit from its uh, cyclical low, but overall the U.S. economy is doing well despite the, the come down in inflation. I, I asked uh, Betsy Bishop, your host at the conference uh, this month uh, before you came on this question, and I want to ask you as well. When it comes to uh, the, the job openings, uh, the labor force, and housing. It, it seems that this kind of snuck up on us. Suddenly, no one has a place to live, and we have employers in Vermont and, of course, around the country with hundreds and hundreds of job openings. Uh, and I feel like that snuck up on us, but uh, Betsy had a different view. Why, why, why is there suddenly this housing crisis? Where did it come from? Well, I think, and I didn't hear Betsy's remarks, but I think even prior to the pandemic, the U.S. housing market was tight. Um, You know, a lot was being written on whether we were building enough homes for uh, the growth in population. Younger would-be home buyers were really stretched on affordability. So I I don't think... um, the tight housing market uh, did sneak up at us overnight. I think, you know, in some ways that bears the scars of the housing crash, you know, in 08, 
07, 08, 08, 09, um, you know, so many home builders went out of business. The industry really took a long time to rebuild capacity to build homes. But, you know, the pandemic in housing, as in a lot of things, accelerated some of these trends. You know, in, in peak pandemic, we had the race for space. Everyone was going to work from home. And, you know, therefore, we all needed more space for home offices and and we could be farther uh, from our workplaces. And, you know, part of the impetus to be farther from your workplace is because housing affordability was was stretched. You know, people um, wanted to needed to move where they could afford to buy a house. So affordability was stretched. I think also uh, specifically in Vermont, one of the things that shifted through the pandemic is domestic migration has long been a source of population outflow for Vermont. Prior to the pandemic, uh, Vermont in terms of um, domestic people in the U.S. moving into the state, moving out of the state, it was negative. But the pandemic flipped that, and Vermont now had three years of net domestic in-migration to the state. So that's a shift in terms of the local um, demand for housing, that people are, you know, increasingly moving to Vermont and looking looking for houses. So that that has added to demand locally. Nationally, of course, the pandemic saw interest rates drop to rock bottom levels, which also helped to uh, boost demand for housing. So, you know, while I don't think the housing shortage snuck up on us, it, the, the pandemic certainly accelerated what was an already tight housing market in 2019. I mean, I was actually at the Vermont Economic Conference back in 2019, and I recall, you know, I, I also spoke at that time pre-pandemic about, you know, the tight housing market in in Vermont, tight labor market, and the challenge, you know, nationally, really uh, building enough enough homes for 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 young younger buyers trying to get into the market. Could I follow that uh, line of thinking through a little bit? I, I have long thought that Vermont is going to become an in migration state. Uh, whether you know around climate change, I think we're going to have climate refugees from from hotter places. Uh, as the as the politics become more tribal and and uh, you know abortion is banned in in other states, people are going to come to Vermont for reproductive freedom, uh, death with dignity. We have a we have a, a, a suicide law here. I, I that if 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 we become that kind of in migration state and thousands and thousands of people move here, what does that mean for Vermont's economy? You know, how does that work? Well, you know, it really depends. And uh, we I don't actually have the detail, unfortunately, and the data on this, on what kind of immigration you're getting. I think some of the immigration to Vermont, it may also be people, retirees. Of course, the baby boom is still a large demographic force in the U.S., and baby boomers are you know, increasingly over the age of 65 and maybe retiring to places like Vermont for, you know, um, a more getting out of the city, more relaxed uh, pace of life. At, you know, all of the things, that, you know, are great about Vermont, the natural setting. I, I did hear Betsy was going to spend more time in nature. You know, I think a lot of people feel that way. Um, but what it means for the Vermont economy is, you know, Vermont has one of the lowest unemployment rates in the United States. It's incredibly low unemployment, tight labor market in Vermont. So hopefully if, if more of these domestic migrants are of working age, 
that helps grow the labor force. It should help employers in Vermont have an easier time hiring. So, you know, that's on the plus side. On the challenges side, coming back to housing, you know, if the um, if the local if local construction can't keep up with demand, then it does put upward pressure on uh, on house prices, rents, housing affordability. So, you know, there there are pluses and, and minuses to that. But in in Vermont, which does have a relatively older population in the in the whole scope of the U.S. economy, slower population growth, you know, it is, it is a good thing in terms of keeping the economy going, uh, labor supply growth for uh, businesses to hire. So it's it's overall a good thing. We just need to make sure that um, home construction can keep up with that. Leslie, uh, AI, uh, a Middle East war, uh, immigration, And Donald Trump wins the Iowa caucus. Looks like he's going to win the New Hampshire primary. Uh, 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 You know, it's easy to say that American politics is in a is in a a crazy free fall free for all. On the other hand, the Congress of the United States just makes a a, a deal on a child tax credit. Um, Do you feel that the do you look at the world and see it as uncertain or, or more certain right now? You know, that's, uh, I think geopolitically, um, you know, what's going on in the Middle East and, you know, Russia's ongoing, ongoing war in Ukraine, that is a big source of uncertainty for sure. Um, more so than what's, you know, happening domestically in the U.S. The U.S. has presidential elections every four years. There's a lot of um, excitement, news, volatility that that surrounds that, but I would say that's less of a a source of uncertainty than what's happening internationally, Um, which, you know, that's certainly one of the key risks for 2024 is, is sadly, widening conflict in the world. Um, That said, you know, when I think back to early in the pandemic, you know, being a forecaster in the spring of 2020 was, uh, you know, peak uncertainty. Uh, We really didn't know where things were going. So putting that in perspective, I would say most of the uncertainty in our outlook stems more from these geopolitical risks. Um, But, you know, we're certainly not at the level of uncertainty we experienced during the pandemic. Okay, so that's Interesting. Now, interest rates going down, inflation going down, prices going down, and yet, and I know you're not a political scientist, but, uh, and yet polls tell us that people don't feel good about the U.S. economy, not to mention uh, Joe Biden sees his poll numbers uh, lower than ever. Can you help us make some sense of that from an economist perspective? Why, why do people not feel good about the U.S. economy when things appear to be going in the right direction? You know, this is a really active area of debate in the economics world because everyone's looking at the consumer um, sentiment measures and and some of them tell a bit different stories uh, and looking at how much people are spending and they really are quite different. In fact, we just had the retail sales numbers come out for December this morning showing that the U.S. consumer, once again, spent more, you know, than we were expecting in December uh, against, you know, this um, pessimism that we're seeing. So, 
you know, I actually recently uh, was at an event where some very, um, I don't want to say famous, but well-respected economists were, were trying to figure out just that. Why are, why are Americans feeling less confident? And, you know, there's a, a debate. I, I think a lot of it comes down to inflation. Um, inflation really was at a 40-year high over the past couple of years. So most consumers or a lot of adult consumers have never lived through inflation that high or they're too, they were too little in the early 80s to remember it. And I think the thing about inflation coming down is that inflation is measured as how much prices have gone up since a year ago. So it can cool, but the reality is the absolute level of prices for most things isn't coming down. And so, you know, most consumers have lived through a, a massive increase in prices for a lot of things they buy. And sure, the prices are only up 2% from last year versus, you know, 10% earlier in the pandemic, but... The price hasn't come down, and that's what people, I don't think most people in their head are calculating the year-on-year change on something. They're looking at the price and thinking nothing is getting cheaper. So I think that um, one of the more convincing arguments I've heard is that this, even though inflation's come down, um, the inflation experience of people over the last couple of years has has put people in a a negative mood. you know, I really think we need to hear from psychologists on this one and, and polling. Uh, some of the analysts have said that they think that people who don't uh, didn't necessarily vote for the, the president who's in office um, will give negative responses on, on, on polls because, you know, they want to indicate that they're displeased with the way the, obviously, if they voted for the other candidate, you know, the way that uh, things are going. Um, but it is it is a real real puzzle, and some confidence measures the conference board's measure doesn't show people being quite as pessimistic as the Michigan sentiment, which is a shows a higher frequency. Um, yeah, I think I mean part of it is Janet Yellen actually early on in the run up in inflation made the point, which you know sort of an obvious point, but it's it's worth reiterating that when unemployment goes up, only people who lose their jobs feel the negative impact, right? So if unemployment goes from 4% to 8%, there's, you know, 4% of the of the economy who's unhappy because they've lost their jobs. But everyone experiences inflation, whether we're, you know, it doesn't matter. So that inflation is, is a bit more negative in terms of consumer mood than even a, a rise in the unemployment rate. But, you know, all that to say, I don't think there's a, a definitive satisfactory answer for that, but it's an active area of investigation in terms of in terms of those consumer confidence polls. But as an economist, I think partially what this is telling me is I can't really, as a forecaster, I can't really use these consumer confidence measures so much anymore to predict spending because, you know, according, we would think that consumers aren't spending, but as we just saw in December with the retail numbers, consumers are clearly in a mood to spend, even if they um, are negative when a pollster calls them. Well, in 1984, I bought a house in Nashville, Tennessee for $28,000 at a 15% interest rate. And your comment about people uh, today haven't lived through 15, 17, 18% interest rates. So uh, an 8% interest rate is a big deal for them. Exactly. And, you know, most of the people who did live through those high interest rates probably 
you know, are at a stage of their life where they don't have a mortgage anymore, right? So it's, um, there's, you know, it's been a generational high in inflation and interest rates. So I think that has likely had an impact on people's moods. Well, we look forward to uh, hearing you give us more detail at the Vermont Economic Conference on January 30th, especially from a Canadian. Um, it's great to, is that Ontario in your voice or Quebec? <laughs> I live in uh, Toronto, Ontario. There you go. Well, it's uh, it's our favorite place to go, and uh, we can't wait to see you and hear you uh, at the Vermont Economic Conference. Leslie Preston of TD Bank, thank you for joining us. Oh, thank you for having me. Nothing like having a Canadian come to Vermont and tell us uh, what's going on with the national economy. Uh, they... They do it right up there in so many ways, and that'll be uh, that'll be a good one. January 30th, UVM Davis Center, Leslie Preston, the Managing Director and Senior Economist at TD Bank. Uh, she'll be giving the National Economic Outlook speech. Uh, there's a lot of other things going on at that conference, so check it out. They're going to have a panel on AI, and they're going to have a panel on immigration and what it means for Vermont. So... Uh, don't miss that. Go to the Vermont Chamber of Commerce website and uh, and register now. Say hi to Betsy Bishop when you're there. Uh, we're going to take a break. We're going to come back with Ken Libertoff, who's going to talk about his uh, new book of short uh, vignettes about his life in Vermont and New York and elsewhere. I'm Kevin Ellis. You're listening to Vermont Viewpoint on WDEV. WDEV.